so 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now that tells us something, that the gifts of the Spirit are not just for church services, but to profit with all. It's overall life, overall witness, overall success, abundant life. These gifts are imperative to be operative if a person is going to be profitable in all. Then the next verse, it says, For to one is given the spirit of, of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another by the same oh, faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, we're going to talk about the gift of the discerning of spirits. It is a, a gift of plurality of spirits, not just a spirit. This is not uh, suspicion. This is not a criticism. This is a unique gift. Now, the gift of discerning of spirits means just that. We are able to discern between spirits. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not all spirits, but try the spirits. Now, we can try them by Scripture. Hebrews 4, 12 told us that we could discern good and evil. We can discern spirit and soul. We can discern flesh and spirit so we can discern certain things out of the basis of the definition and the guidelines of the spirits as well as their characteristics and their activity and so at least we could do that if we were not even filled with the Holy Ghost but you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost we didn't get one gift we received a person that person has nine gifts that are representative of the Godhead. And what the gifts of the Spirit do is they reveal God. The fruits of the Spirit reveal the identity of the believer. Entirely different. The Holy Ghost does not have any fruits. He has gifts. And uh, so sometimes people say, well, if you had the fruit of the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost doesn't have fruit. Jesus said he wouldn't, they would know you by your fruits. We know the gifts or the Holy Ghost by his gifts whether they promote Christ or not. So we're going to talk tonight and get into discovering different types of spirits. Now, I can't go over everything we learned the first and second session, but they are just rich with information and revelation about spirits. And uh, this world is filled with them. Amen? And uh, so let's turn our Bibles today to, oh, hmm, let's go to uh, Numbers. 13 through 18 numbers 5 13 through 18 we're going to talk about different types of spirits and why we need to be able to discern them because these spirits are here remember spirits can be attracted they can be attracted by music by voice by lifestyle your words that you talk are important even the words that you get or speak around other people will cause them to attract certain spirits because words equal attitudes. 
and equal perspectives or expectation, whether negative or positive. And we're not talking about new age. We're talking about what the human mind does. And so if it begins to conceive negativity, then it begins to speak negativity. Negativity produces an attraction of spirits. And so we want to make sure that we just watch what we talk and watch how we talk to our children, watch how we talk to our spouse, and so forth. Words are very important. And uh, we're looking at Numbers, the fifth chapter, and we're going to look at verse 13 down through 18. And it says, And a man, if a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and be kept closed, and she be defiled, and there be no witness against, neither she be taken with the man, or with the manner. Next verse. And then it says, And the spirit of jealousy cometh on her husband, and he be jealous of his wife, and he be defiled, and she be defiled of it, of the spirit of jealousy coming up on him, he, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled, next verse, and shall the man, then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest, and he, she, he shall bring her, I'm sorry, her offering for her, and the tenth part of an ephod, ephod of the barley meal, he shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense thereon, for it is an offering of jealousy, an offering a memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. Next verse. And the priest shall bring her near, set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water. I'm sure that's where they got. Yeah. Huh. And uh, in an earthen vessel and of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord, uncover the woman's head, and put the offering of the memorial in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causes the curse. Next verse, we're, then we'll finish it. And the priest shall charge her by an oath and say unto the woman, If no man hath lain with thee, and if thou hast not gone aside to unclean with another instead of thy husband, be thou free from this bitter water that causeth the curse. He gives her a charge. And so this reveals to us that there, I don't want to go into the whole thing of what, you know, how people can find out today, but if there is a spirit of jealousy, then understand that it's detrimental to the marriage. So much is that God addresses this type of spirit in a marriage. Now, when we deal with jealousy in the world today, jealousy in Proverbs is cruel than the grave, both to the person that has it and to the person that is subject to that type of spirit. You just vex and tear everything up because you are jealous. If you don't have any foundation of it, get over it. 
become secure enough in yourself that you are not dependent upon everybody being conducive to your life. Now, if there is reason for you to be jealous, then speak to your spouse, bring them in, let other people speak to them, and then let the matter be resolved. But if this spirit is left gone in running rampant between two people, they are going to end up divorced because this jealousy will lead to the hardness of the heart of an individual. They will lose love for you, respect for you, and so forth. So if there is jealousy, if you're jealous of your husband, well, women do this or men do that, well, get over it. Get over it, and if you can't handle it, then do something, but you cannot just continue and think that your marriage is not going to be affected by a spirit of jealousy. And this spirit of jealousy doesn't just happen between husband and wife. It happens between other Christians. Christians just get jealous of somebody having something. Well, get your own stuff. That's the whole way out of that. You're just jealous because their faith worked and you haven't even applied yours. Come on. I I mean, sometimes people, well, I don't know why they have so much because they do something with their faith. You have nothing because you're idle, you're slothful. God's not a respected person. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm talking about spirit. You get this stuff into your life, you're going to find out that pretty soon you're going to be in front of God and God's going to ask you, why are you like this? Now turn from it now. If you haven't been defiled, if you haven't been wrong, turn from it now or you're going to curse yourself. And so we need to deal with spirits of jealousy. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. Let's go to 1 Kings 22 and 22. 1 Kings 22 and 22. So we want to deal with these spirits. Don't just try to sweep it under the rug. Well, my wife is jealous. Well, then you help her get over it or you erase the causes that cause her to be that way. Amen. If you're flirtatious, get rid of your flirter. Phyllis used to tell me, that guy over there is uh, flirting with me. I said, look at him and go, and she said, oh, I couldn't do that. I said, then don't complain because he's flirting and you enjoy it. Let me eat my hamburger in peace. Hello. It's a God's truth. Hallelujah. Did I tell you that? Absolutely. You don't have enough guts to do that. You want it. You know it. So have at it. Just don't disrupt my food. Hallelujah. And if you think it's going to go further, let him go take you home. He'll return you by morning. Now, move along. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his. Remember, we talked last week about how spirits are contagious. This spirit right here says, I will become a spirit of lying in all of his prophets' mouths. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. A lying spirit, spirit of exaggeration, a spirit of, you know, uh, blowing something out of proportion, trying to make what you say more important than what somebody else said. These come from real insecurities. They come from people seeking value from things that they're saying. They're giving a 
false persona of who they are. Look, if you're a sinner and you were raised in the best part of the town and you got saved, your testimony is just as viable as the guy that got saved having uh, 20 dime bags of heroin every day. It doesn't matter. A sinner is a sinner. And if you got saved, then bless God, be happy about it. Don't have to lie. And if you have to lie for people to like you, get a makeover. Hallelujah. If people like you, then great. If you're not accepted, don't try to build something up. Don't try to blow stuff up to make it look better. You know, praise God, we went in there and hallelujah, and this happened, praise God. And it, when it only happened half that way, stop it. Stop it. Just tell the truth. Amen. Walked in the way, walked in there, and the, the one, we asked the woman we could pray. She said yes, and we prayed for her. And she didn't really get healed, but she did start moving her foot, and we thought, well, that's better than death. Hallelujah. Okay, then that's good enough. Amen. Don't elaborate beyond the truth. You, you open yourself up. There was a lady one time sitting at our kitchen table, and uh, uh, little Miss Phyllis was there, and she was all being the nice pastor's wife until all of a sudden she just jumped up and grabbed a woman. She said, you got a lying devil in you. And I said, this is not good for church growth. <laughs> yeah, but it's better to get it cast out of you than to live under that type of charade. Amen. Praise God. So the discerning of spirits will unveil this type of stuff to us. Let's go to Exodus 6, 9. And I would like to tell you that we'll just look at a few of them, but there are hundreds of them, and you probably need to be acquainted that these are in the world, and they do come up on people today. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they heard, hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Now that word anguish of spirit simply means that they had an impatience, they had a shortness that had come about because of the trouble they went through and the discouragement that they were now caught up in. So you know that when people come home from work, you ever notice your husband goes out happy or your wife goes out happy, your kids go out happy, they come home a different way because they've been around discouraging, troubling people. And then, of course, when you come in, you greet him with the all-loving, what's the matter with you? You got an attitude? He has murder on his mind. No. You need to discern. You need to find out why they're troubled. We live in a world that is filled with people that are not born again. And they are subject, they are controlled, they are manipulated by spirits. They belong to the family of darkness. They are the children of a liar, Satan. They are the children of Beelzebub. Their father is a murderer from his roots. Listen, we are in a world like that. And sometimes the eye of people that we are around will find something in us. And because they have a hardness of a heart or they have no compassion, they have no understanding, you're different or they'll get jealous or they'll get put off 
And then what they do is they just simply want to destroy you. And so they cause trouble. They cause trouble. They discourage people. And when people get discouraged, they get down in the mother grub and they can't hearken. The word hearken doesn't mean they can't hear. It means that they can't hear and then set in motion or orchestrate any type of faith. Now that also happens in Deuteronomy 1, 28, where Moses is talking to the children of Israel, let's go up. They said, how can we go up? Our brothers have discouraged us. Words, words that troubled them, that caused their future to look something different than victoriously outcome with God. So they couldn't see it, so they got discouraged. What did it do? It caused their hearts to be immovable. And that's what happens to people. And when we are around these spirits in workplaces and in school systems and every place else, people do not always like Christians. I mean, today you're almost afraid to tell people you're a Christian because everybody will look at you funny, think that you're weird. You are. And let them know that you're weird. Hallelujah. Yeah. Just say, I'm a Christian. They won't say anything. They'll be, oh, my God. So, you know, act stupid. Act weird. Go crazy. Hallelujah. Sit down and scratch behind your ear with your foot. Look, do something. Hallelujah. Let them know that you are as weird as they say Christians are. Hallelujah. I used to hear people say, well, you know, they offer up sacrifices up there at Only Believe Ministries. I thought sometimes walking over to the uh, gas station with blood dripping off my hand, they say, where are you? Pastor, what happened? Oh, I just come from church. <laughs> That's what I have felt like, but I haven't. So, but sometimes it, it just gets so out in the bizarro world that People, I mean, they line up to be stupid. They just line up. I want to be a member of stupid. I'm available. I, I really, I, I'm dumb. And then so we stamp it on their head. A friend of mine preached a message one time. There's a stupid sticker on your head. Don't let everybody know that it's real. Now, but we get around these spirits. And when then when our kids come in, and their demeanors are different. They come home different than when they went. What is happening? Then you are going to have to discern that. And if you can stop it by confrontation, by going and saying, look, what's going on and so forth, then you know what? You can remedy it that way. And a lot of times, a lot of times spirits of intimidation will back down as soon as they are confronted by a spirit of truth or by a spirit of as it were, of protection. And so they will back down and they'll back out and they'll change their demeanor. And so don't ever be afraid to get at to the cause of why your child is coming. Now it's going to be a little harder. You go to uh, your husband's workplace and chew out the guy beside you. Now you leave him alone. He's, he's vulnerable. And you, you, he's me. you're making the wrong impression on him. That's not going to be good. And so, you know, go flatten the guy's tire and put a little note on there, mess with my husband, I'm coming after your neck. So you, there are certain things you can do. And uh, so we want to realize that this spirit of anguish, this spirit that will cause people to be, become discouraged, it is not in the Christian's nature 
to be discouraged. And if you are discouraged without any rhyme or reason, then what's happened is there is a spirit that you have given yourself over to. And what you're going to have to do is start using the word to break that spirit's control over you. Jesus cast out the spirit by the word of God. And you can break that thing and you can get set free. You might say, well, couldn't I just get it cast out of me? Well, if you don't change the way you're talking, the way you're thinking, the way you're acting, it'll just come back and it'll be worse than the first time. So if you will take care of it yourself, I'm telling you, you can be free. Amen. There's no reason you'd be discouraged. You're going to heaven and not hell. What's to be sad about? Amen. You're, you're the head and not the tail. You're blessed. You're above and not beneath. Come on. You're blessed going in and going out. God's got your name written in the palm of his hand waiting to show it unto you. Listen, what are, do you have to be discouraged about? Well, nobody likes me. Welcome to the club. I'm fighting for lovable rights in my own home. And any given day, it's a toss-up. Whether I did right, did the dishes right, got them done in time, got the room vacuumed, the trash taken out, the car wash and everything at the right temperature. When she gets up, and it catapults from there. No, listen. We have to understand that we are not subject. You cannot steal my joy. The devil can't steal my joy, and I'm not dependent on you whether to be happy or not to be happy. I have my own little world. It's called Jesus and me. Jesus and me. Amen. Jesus and me. And you say, well, you got a utopia. You bet you are. I am. I have a utopia. If I ask Jesus, hey, am I happy? He said, yeah, filled with joy unspeakable and full of my glory okay i was just checking in i was kind of feeling a little off center he said don't believe your feelings you walk by faith and not by sight now come on praise god believe what i said about you and not what you're feeling yeah then i go to the council after the counseling session i'm fine hallelujah all right let's go to deuteronomy 230 deuteronomy 230 so these spirits of depression these spirits of anguish they come about many times because of over-induced working. In other words, if you are constantly overdoing yourself, you know, sometimes people get involved in everything and end up being committed to nothing. I'm talking about the First Baptist down there at Sydney. I'm telling you, they're like that. No, I'm not. But what happens is you get involved in everything, because of the pressure of what you've committed yourself to, you will cause yourself anguish. And you can get discouraged because you get weary. And it's nobody's fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's your fault. Amen. Everybody needs to be able to know how to rule and contain and manage this earthen vessel. Amen. You work so many hours, then you want to make sure that you rest so many hours. And so you make sure that you keep are keeping everything in check so that these spirits do not get attracted. Remember, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the one that's fallen behind the herd. 
So you got to stay and keep yourself. I tell pastors all the time, you, you know, and, and I, I encourage them that, you know what? Every four months, every pastor should have two weeks off. They're kind of, oh, well, I don't get that. Well, you don't fight with devils all the time. You don't listen to problems all the time. You don't do lots of things all the time. But somebody that carries the burden not only of their own relationship, not only with honing out and scout, uh, scalping out a work for God, but the cares of the church come upon them, that's a double-fold pressure. And people have got to be released of that pressure. So I encourage pastors, go to your board, say, you know what, every uh, uh, three or four months, I want two weeks off. Well, well, that's not a problem, pastor. And I want you to pay for my time off. You mean beside your salary? Yeah. They say, oh, my gosh. Well, what would you give the man that was running your company? See, the thing of it is, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep flee. You say, well, I just think that's too much. Well, the Bible says that those that labor among the works are worth double honor. And I'll just tell you now, I don't make double what people in my church make. I don't. I make money on the road because I raise my family. And I support PDM ministry. But I don't make double what other people in my church make. Now, that's what the Bible says. Well, we're going to tear that page out because we think that's just totally crazy. That's because your value system is not God's value system. See, some people want you to have shiny bun marks on the back of your pants to show that you're humble. Well, I don't want to be humble. I want to be blessed. And you are blessed, so why can't I be blessed? Well, we want you blessed, but only to the way that we want you blessed. You get all beyond that, we just think you get haughty. I know it. <laughs> but I'm not going to get haughty. I can handle blessing. Now, look, so when we do not take care of our pastor, when we, people like this, well, pastor's not going to be there this week, but I'm, I'm not going. Well, don't, don't penalize your church by not paying your tithes and not showing up because your pastor's off relaxing someplace. Or, or I'm out preaching the gospel in another country in your stead. And you don't want to show up because I'm, as if it's some penalty. Well, that just shows your disloyalty. Oh, let's move on. This is not a spirit, but I think it is. But, but I'm not going to talk about this spirit. Praise God. I better move on. I hear, I can, I can feel Phil squirming in her seat. Now, I, you ought to hear me preach this in another church. Because people just take their trousers off and shake all the money out and say, take it all, take it all. Now, and now, it says, but Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by. For the Lord thy God hath hardened his spirit and made his heart abstinent. What is obstinate? That he might deliver him into thine hand as appeareth this day. Now one person would say, why did God harden his heart? There are certain things that happen in people's lives 
that people will not let go of. The Bible said it this way, God chastens whom he loves, but if a man does not submit to that chastening, he breaks covenant and God considers him a bastard. Now, I didn't say that. That's in the Bible. Now, God considers him a bastard. When God looks at someone's heart and he has dealt with that heart before and it has been rejected and everything's producing after its own kind, remember, God knows the beginning from the end or the end from the beginning. So God looks at this king. He's not trying to destroy him, but he has seen his life of sin past. And God is about to bring payment. The wages of sin is death. He has not only resisted God's people, this has been a pattern that he has resisted God. And so God says, you know what? I'll turn him over. What does that mean? I won't deal with him anymore. Much like he does in Romans, the first chapter. And so now he has a hardened spirit. Can people get a hardened spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why it's important that when God is dealing with us, if we don't feel that conviction, if we don't feel remorse for a wrong, then we understand that we need to break that pattern. What we need to do, we need to pray, we need to fast, we need to cry out like Psalms 51, God restore unto me a right spirit. God restore unto me a contrite heart. God put back in me the joy of my salvation. And so that's why people need to make sure that when they repent, that they repent with sincerity and with conviction. And uh, we talked about that a couple, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, about how to have a confident repentance of a transgression or of a sin so you don't continually do it again and again and again. So this type of spirit it simply means that you can get a spirit that is dense, that God can't get through, or a stiffness about you. All right, so that is available today. Could I get an amen? And if you don't believe that it's available, divorce is still happening. Why does divorce happen? Well, well because of, of, of fornication. No, that's the only reason it should happen. But God, knowing man, that he would be stiff-necked and hardened, unforgiving, unpersuasive, unconvictable, says, I give you a writing of divorcement. Why? Well, God hates divorce. He hates divorce. But he also hates all of the foregoing or after effects that divorce will cause if it's not remedied. People get bitter in marriages. They get filled with hate. They get unfaithful. They continue to be unfaithful. They do all types of things because they found some small ought against their spouse and they were not able to overlook it. So they find some uncleanness and they get in hardness of heart. That's the same spirit that is there right there. And he says, God give it to you because of the hardness of your heart. Did Jesus say that people stop having hardness of heart? No, hardness of heart is the major cause of divorce in the church and in the world. 
Now, it, should, it can be in the world, but it should never be in the church. But the cause of it is the hardness of heart. Because most divorces that happen in the church don't happen because of fornication. They happen because of the hardness of the heart. People get specks in their eyes and make mountains out of them. Amen. Look, I got a whole list, a journal filled with the wrongs that Phyllis has given me and done me, and I've forgiven them all. Why don't you throw the journal away? Absolutely not. It's evidence. Now, I've forgiven her. It doesn't mean that I may not use it. No, look, we both have lots that we could get hardened about, but we're not getting hardened about it. Absolutely not. We don't have that luxury. Why? Because I'm not my own. I belong to the Lord. And so I have to protect my heart because hardnesses of heart lead to bitternesses in my soul that lead to unbelief in God. Now, you find that, I think it's in Hebrews, the third chapter, and 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. But they have this unbelief. Be careful that a root of bitterness doesn't get into you and lead to unbelief, departing from the living God. And so you want to make sure that this hardness to this heart doesn't get in us because it can lead to disconnection. It can lead to separation. You can be in the house and still be broken one to another. And so we as Christians need to make sure that we don't get hardened. Be in our house. We have discussions. Now, if you come up to my house and there is a discussion going on, do you have a light you turn on? No. Just listen. The windows are rattling. And there is not a tornado coming through. There is one in the house. We are very vocal about our differences. We have a Opinions that are sharper than a sword, pierced deeper and quicker than a flying arrow. But when it's all said and done, we don't let the sun go down on our wrath. We bandage up our black eyes, put stakes on them so nobody knows we've been in a fight and we come to church. I'm kidding. Do you think I would hit Phyllis after she learned to Get a concealing carry weapon license. That's not even an option in my house. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to, hallelujah. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel. Well, wait, let's go to, uh, where do I want to go? Is this, uh, well, let's go to Psalms 5110. I mentioned that. Psalms 5110, and then we're going to uh, wrap up here. Psalms 51. And this is why these spirits, and, and they're, we're, we're going to get into a lot of, uh, let's, we're, we'll just, uh, hey, can you change that to 1 Thessalonians 4.13? 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. There you go. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, 
concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope or do not know Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For we say unto you by the word of the Lord that they which remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now let's go back up to verse 13. I would not have you to be ignorant concerning uh, to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Do you know that there is a spirit of sorrow? It is different than the spirit of grief. The spirit of grief is allowable, but is contained by law in the life of the believer. In other words, they were allowed to mourn or grieve for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, if they went further, there would be a change of spirit from grieving or mourning someone to the place that sorrow would overtake them. And what Paul was dealing with was that the church thought that Jesus was going to come back at any day, which Paul preached. He preached in every book of the Bible the coming of the Lord, and he always preached that it's going to come immediately. It's upon us. So when people started dying, people didn't just mourn or grieve. They became sorrowful. In other words, beyond the measure that was normal. And so this opened up a door to spirits coming into people's lives and controlling them. Remember the devil, like a roaring lion, looking for whom he may devour. I have been called in uh, to pray for people that were going to graveyards for six months after somebody in their family died. Now, that is not normal. Could I get an amen? I have known people that have carried the picture of their children, a 9 by 12 picture or nine by 11 and a half picture of their child all over cities. That's not normal. You, you understand that? That's not normal. What is that? That's a spirit of sorrow. But it's not a spirit of mourning. Spirit of mourning has a beginning time and an ending time. And it was not allowed for Israel to go past that. So when we look at spirits like this, Anything that becomes abnormal is probably opening a door to something that somebody is not going to want. Amen. All right. Now let's go back to Psalm 51 in verse 10, and then we'll going to wrap it up with this. Psalms 51, 10. Hallelujah. We had it once. Lost it. Psalms 51. Come. Come forth. 
How many of you have you read we're having Bill Wilson here? Yeah, Wednesday. Bill Wilson, not this Wednesday, but in November. He'll, he'll be a blessing to us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Stop. Go back. Renew. What would that insinuate to you, Mark? Do what? To redo something so you could lose a right spirit. How do you lose a right spirit? By letting these things that we're talking about get into your life and renew in me a right spirit within me or renew a right spirit within me. Do you know that you can lose a right spirit just by attitude, by your conversation, by listening to other people? That's how you lost the spirit of faith in the old covenant. Our brothers have discouraged us. How can we go up? The spirit of faith was broken because of discouraging words. And so when the Bible says we can receive people that don't believe like we do and walk like we do, but not to the point of disputation of our faith. In other words, when your faith begins to be reformed or reframed by them and their conversations and their belief, it's time for you to break free. And then, now let's go to the next verse. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore. Whoops. Somebody say, I could lose my joy. Hmm. All right. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So we see that you can re lose a right spirit. You can have it restored, but you're going to have to deal with the spirits or the atmosphere, the words, the fellowships, whatever it might be, that stripped that away from you. That stripped it away from you. You have to embrace what God has called you and I to do. We have to be strong. My spiritual well-being is not subject to anybody else. It's mine. Could have given an amen. It is mine. I have to take care of it. And over the years, we've had to break lots of relationships because they were not conducive to what we believed. They were not conducive to the life that we thought was pleasing to God. And so we've lost lots of friends, but we've never lost God. And I, I've never lost, you know, things that God has called me to do or asked me to do or things that I set my faith out to do. Now, friends have changed, but God has never changed. And so we have to be careful about who we get around and these spirits that will come upon, upon us, whether it's a lying spirit, whether it's, it's a spirit of sorrow, whether it's a spirit of discouragement, whether it's an, uh, a spirit where people lose joy. I wouldn't want to be around, you know, some, one time people say, well, you're all the time laughing and stuff. You know, you just, well, I certainly don't want to be married to you. You want me to be like you? Are you kidding? You are miserable. You are the perfect reason I am happy. I don't want to be like other people. Could I get an amen? 
And don't try to make me like you. I'm me. Hallelujah. It'd be everybody in their house. How many of you have mirrors? Your own unending mission is to change the person you see in it. Not everybody else. Unless I appear in your mirror, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Until I appear in your mirror. And I say, oh, great wonder. What could I do to be like you? Until that happens, don't meddle with God's stuff. Stay in your own little mirror world. The problem is that person, not everybody else. Amen? It's the truth. Phyllis said, well, you know, you've just got so many problems. I just push her in front of the mirror and say, yes, and this is one of them. <laughs> I never deny I have problems. I just make her realize she is at the top of the list. No, everybody would be well. Have I ever asked you to change anything besides your kilograms? And I only did, I only did that because I want you to live long and I don't want to replace you. I ain't got time for that stuff. So I want you to live long and I would say be happy, but you're married. So we, but I want you to live long. So I, I asked you to get in shape, right? And you are, right? Show them bullets. Bump, no, those pistols or those, Lord, look at that. Show them again, Phil. Look at that. Look at them, Mama. Gee, gee. That's as big as my, yeah, backside and some. And uh, <laughs> look at the size of those guns. You want to see my 22? <laughs> my Derringer? <laughs> Have I ever asked you to change? No. Nothing? No, no, really. I've, I've, I've never asked him to change. I don't ask Phyllis to change. That's no good. There's no sense in asking people to change. I, I'm not looking for utopias. I'm not looking for trees to plant in my life that shelter and shadow me that I can be happy. I've got thorn trees. In my utopia. Absolutely. I remember when I sent Daniel to Urbana. He said, well, Pastor, why are you making me do this? I said, Daniel, I love you. He said, well, you never made Philip do it. I said, I know, Daniel, but you are young. And the Bible says there is much wickedness in young men. And I just haven't discovered where it's going to leak out of you yet. <laughs> and it's the truth. And his wife said, you see, he's smart. He's, he's got wisdom. Now, I love Daniel, and Daniel is a great preacher. He's doing a great job. But I never ask Daniel to, to change. I'm just, if it leaks out, I just plug it. But I don't ask them. They have to be them. And everybody has to be them. You be you. I'll be me. We'll be happy monkeys in our tree. You didn't know that I was Dr. Seuss behind us 
facade. I really am. Now, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. All types of spirits in the Bible. All types of spirits coming in and out of our lives. Let's be aware of them. Let's not get afraid of them. Let's just not become subject to them. Amen? Ask God to allow you to discern why your husband, your children, or your spouse, your wife comes in in a different way than they go out. Find out. 